But Matthew, uh, let me just give this information to you. You realize that Matthew gives the genealogy of Jesus through the line of Joseph. Jesus was not Joseph's biological son. I don't know if you thought of that or not, but he's biologically Mary's son, but not biologically Joseph's son. But yet Matthew starts the genealogy, and he does it on the line of, uh, you know, of the father of Joseph. And so Matthew records it. I think, obviously, he wasn't the biological son, but according to family, friends, people that knew them, Joseph was the father of Jesus. What a tremendous uh, stewardship Joseph and Mary were given to be the father and the mother of Jesus. And so Matthew records it from that because Matthew has a specific theme throughout his uh, gospel. And it is a theme that Jesus is king. And uh, so as we go through Matthew, that will show up from time to time that in the gospel of Matthew, he is known as the king. And so he starts in his genealogy with this is the genealogy of Jesus the son of David, uh, the son of Abraham. And so right at the very beginning, he establishes this truth that Jesus is the son of a king, the son of David. And then he mentions David at the end. I don't know if you know, but there are three generations of 14. And so what I was going to do today was that first set of generations, the first 14 in the generation. We won't get through all that. But I did want to make you aware that there's a reason that Matthew starts with the genealogy being through Joseph. Now, it's obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it has to be right, because the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to do this. If you go to Luke, you will find another genealogy of Jesus. In that genealogy, it's the genealogy of Mary, and it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so we don't have time to go through both of those and explain all that because we're in the book of Matthew. But I'm just saying to you, for your own awareness, there is another genealogy, and it is over in the book of Luke in chapter 3. And that is through, uh, through Mary's lineage. And so Jesus goes back to David twice. He goes back to uh, David on Joseph's side through Solomon, he goes back to David on Mary's side through Nathan. And so Jesus himself goes back to King David through both parents. So slide, if we'll pull up the first slide. I'll just go through two or three today, and then I'm going to share a personal testimony. But we are going to study the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, so we'll go to the next one. And then let's go to the definition of genealogy. So there's your definition. 
Next slide. This is, this is just practical. Uh, realize that's a little small, maybe. But we study genealogy to validate family stories. That's validate good family stories, and there's some bad family stories we validate. Uh, we discover that there might be famous people in our lineage. We study genealogy because we want to know the, how the family relates to history. We trace medical conditions. If you go to the doctor, they want your medical history, and they want the history of your parents' grandparents. Uh, sometimes the genealogy is important to, sell, to settle inheritance issues, to determine land ownership. Or finding birth parents. But I think spiritually, one of the reasons to know your genealogy is that there are blessings that flow in the generations and there are curses that flow in the generations. And we want to embrace the blessings, but we want to deal with the curses. We want to deal with the strongholds that might be there uh, that have come from the generations that have attached themselves to us. And so you might say, well, what would an example of a curse be? Addiction. Uh, do you have a temper? That might just be a curse. Are you prone to outburst of anger? It's your flesh, but it might be a, a real stronghold that's out of the generations. Violence. So the list could go on and on. Uh, Insecurity, being inferior, all of those can be attached to a stronghold out of the generations. And then we have a chart. If we'll go to the next slide. So there I was telling you there were three 14 generations. And so we're going to look at those people. Uh, you have in your notebook, and you already have the notes on these people, so you can look at that and be ready for next week. Uh, but there are three tiers with 14 people in each one, and that's probably significant that, that it is listed that way and is, is told at the end of the chapter that it's there. And so in teaching on the genealogy of Jesus, and like Casey said, you're going to teach the genealogy of Jesus? That's the most boring thing ever. No, it's not. It is the most biblical thing ever. It is in Scripture, and if it is in Scripture, it's important. And so I, our goal in these first few Sundays of talking about the genealogy is to expand, to broaden, to let your revelation uh, increase that Matthew chapter 1 is all about Jesus. The genealogy is all about Jesus. Now, in our American culture... Genealogy is more of a hobby for people. It's not something that we have taken serious as a nation. Uh, but we need to. Our generations before us are significant. It's about our family origin. It's about family histories. It's about medical issues. It's about blessings and curses. Uh, it's about the significance of names. In, our, in my personal generations, there are so many Johns and James. And uh, 
and just numerous throughout the generations. And so most Americans, and you, where are you in this, most Americans? Most Americans would not even know their great-great-grandparents. A lot of them would not know their third or fourth great-grandparents. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but where are you in that mix of people in America? How many generations back are you aware of? How many great-great-grandfathers, great-great-great-great-grandmothers are you aware of? What stories do you know about them? Have you ever asked people to share those stories about them? Have you ever wanted to know your family history? Have you given any time to knowing the history of your family, both your father and both your mother's side? So Matthew chapter 1 starts with genealogy, which should say to us genealogy is important. Not only Matthew, but if you go back to the Old Testament and you read all so-and-so, birth so-and-so, birth so-and-so, birth so-and-so, birth so-and-so, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. We just flip over those pages till we get past all the birthing. And then once we're past that, we start reading again. But all of that is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it is there for our uh, understanding that family is important and that generational continuity is important. And would you say that in your family, you have built generational continuity? It's about taking the past, allowing it to have influence on the present, and the present having influence on the future. So let me read this statement to you. We have become a culture that has distanced ourselves from the generation's past. And in doing so, we have cursed ourselves with a lack of influence upon our future and the generations that come after us. Let me say that again. Because in our American culture, we have distanced ourselves from the past generations. In doing so, we have cursed ourselves upon the influence that we might have on future generations because they're going to do what we've done and our generation will not matter to them, and the generation of their grandparents will not matter to them because we have devalued a truth in Scripture that genealogy is important. So we live in the present with little knowledge of the past and minimal influence on the future. Words like legacy and heritage they are not a part of a school curriculum. We may study history, historical events, but we only memorize the information so that we can pass the tests. But everybody in this room, you have a personal family history that you should, should know about. You need to research it. You need to understand it. Well, I'm thankful that many years ago, that my wife and I did genealogical research. So this is personal from our family. So on my dad's mother's side of the family, my fourth great-grandparents are Henry Price and Catherine Wax. And then on that side of the family, I have traced all the way back 
1160. That's 1160. And my great, grand, great, how many greats that is, was Richard, if I can even say his name, Richard de Mattenlock from Shropshire, England. So that was on my dad's mother's side. My fourth great-grandparents, Henry Price and Catherine Wax. On my mother's father's side of the family, my fourth great-grandparents are Henry Price and Catherine Wax. On my mother's mother's father's side of the family, my third great-grandparents are Henry Price and Catherine Wax. And then on Peggy's mother's father's side of the family, her fourth great-grandparents are Henry Price and Catherine Wax. So there's a little insight to our history. <laughs> Only three and four generations back, we have the same grandparents. But that's information I didn't have until I researched it and until we gave time to researching it. Now, this is the one that has been the jewel of a find. And some of you know it, I've shared it here before. But. My mother's, mother's, mother's side of the family. My 11th great-grandfather is Isaac Allerton, born in 1586, and he married Fear Brewster. He was 20 years older than Fear. And uh, at age 21, she gave birth to their son, and then she died uh, at age 28. Her father was William Brewster, born in 1538. And so Isaac Allerton, my 11th great-grandfather, and William Brewster, my 12th great-grandfather, were on the Mayflower coming to America, making the journey to the New World. But the beautiful part of it is my 12th great-grandfather was a spiritual leader on the Mayflower. And when they settled there at Plymouth Rock, he became the elder, the spiritual leader, until he passed away. William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth Colony, said these words, and he said them about my 12th great-grandfather. Words that are special to me. And actually, I only discovered these words this morning in the eulogy that William Bradford had written for my 12th great-grandfather. So listen to his life. So William Bradford is giving the eulogy at his memorial service. He said, for William Brewster's personal abilities, he was qualified above many. He was wise was discreet and well-spoken. He was of a very cheerful spirit. He was very sociable. He was very pleasant when he was among friends. He was humble, and he was modest. He was peaceable. He was always undervaluing himself and his own abilities and often overvaluing others. He was inoffensive and was innocent, and in that he was a man 
of tender heart and great compassion. So I read that this morning, and I said, that is my 12th great-grandfather. And then on his tombstone, it says this, in honor of Elder William Brewster, patriarch of the pilgrims. And you wonder why I have a fathering heart? It's been in there for 12 generations at least. William Brewster, patriarch of the pilgrims. That is my inheritance. It is my history. It is the lineage that I have been given. And so I carry something deep within me that came out of the generations to love others, to have compassion, and to carry this patriarchal fathering heart that God has given me. I come by it more natural than I thought. I remember years ago, the first time that the Ministerial Association asked uh, me to speak at the Thanksgiving service, I talked to Peg and Stephen, and I said, I don't want to get up and speak a word. I'd like for us, it's Thanksgiving. Let's do something about the pilgrims. And not knowing this information at that time, we took three pilgrims that were on the Mayflower, and we did we pretended as though we were those people. And so back then, I was somehow in the spirit connecting with my history because William Brewster would have been one of those that we did at that time, not knowing I was related to him. The spirit of God is absolutely amazing. And so when I look at this and I look at my history, and and I am astounded. I am awed by it. Now, that's not to say that everybody in my generational lineage did things right. Obviously, they didn't. There are other stories in the generations that are not the greatest stories. But at the same time, I can say to my children, if you go to the Capitol, and Casey and Kara did, and the girls some time ago, and I said, when you go, go to the Capitol, go to the Rotunda, and look up at all the paintings, but look at the painting that's called the Pilgrim Embarkment, and there you will see your uh, 13th and 14th great-grandfathers. They are there in that painting. And the one sitting in the center holding the Bible in his hand is your grandfather. That amazes me. But I know it because we went researching. And I think, why did my grandmother never tell me that? Because my grandmother didn't know it. She was not aware of the genealogy. And so there are so many things that you'll uncover when you research your genealogy. You'll, you'll discover both good and bad. Everybody's been a sinner at some point, and everybody did things wrong and, and needed salvation. 
But a lot of people found Jesus and they lived for Jesus. And through my generations on both my mother and my father's side, there are numerous ministers of the gospel. So where are you? This is a challenge for you to grab hold of something that's biblical. And that is that your genealogy is important. Don't just brush it off. You have people in your history that you need to honor and that you need to value. If you so honor and value toward the past, when you're the past, somebody will so honor and value toward you. I hate to tell you, but you're going to get old. And I hate to tell you, but you're going to die. But will your testimony live beyond your life here on earth, or will it not? Will the impact that you want to have be the impact that carries into the future? Because you decided to do something and to leave a mark upon your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and many generations past. And then we come to uh, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The I gave you my genealogy. But to talk about the genealogy of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Our heart over the next few weeks is to stir your desire to know more about Jesus through his ancestry. And I was just going to do the first 14 today. And what I learned through those first 14 people is amazing. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is, what he does, his love for us, how he ministers to us. It's all about Jesus being Emmanuel God with us, and these first 14 people are simply a prophetic statement about the Messiah. Would the worship team come? So I'm like Casey. I so desire that you not just brush this off, and I'll be glad when we get through the genealogy. No, I want you to say, pour it on. Give us all you got. Give us more of what, what you need. And maybe I'm not sharing this today because there's more I need to get for you uh, before we share it. But some of you are here today, and somehow you are living life less than you need to live it because you're living life unto yourself and living it selfishly. But scripturally, God teaches us to grow up, 
be mature, walk holy, walk righteous, and let our lives become a blessing to someone else. So that's my prayer as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at the genealogy of Jesus, that somehow when you see the word genealogy, you just want to cry. It's like, wow, this is significant. It is important for your spiritual growth for you to grab hold of the reality that Jesus had ancestors and that these first 14 ancestors, I don't know about the others, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same, that these first ancestors tell a story about Jesus. And it is an amazing story. Would you stand? So, Father, I pray. I pray, first of all, that those who are here this morning who have taken their genealogy flippantly and not have, paid, have not paid any attention to it, would you stir their hearts to know their own family history? Would let them not get uh, discouraged, bogged down when they attempt to, to start, but Lord, that you would empower them to learn things about their family that they don't know. Would you empower them to look into the past generations, look at what they have given, and honor that. They were the old wineskin, and we became the new wineskin in the present. But one day we will be the past, and we want to give the future generations something to grab hold of that's of the kingdom of God, and that's of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and knowing God as Father and stepping into their own identities in the kingdom. Lord, would you help people honor family by honoring the past? Lord, I pray that as we step into looking at the genealogy of Jesus, that we would do so with reverence, with anticipation, with excitement of what we are going to learn that will be helpful to our spiritual growth as we look at the genealogy of Jesus. We say, Matthew, thank you for hearing the Holy Spirit and beginning your gospel this way. We are grateful for a man who heard the Holy Spirit and wrote as the Holy Spirit told him to write. And he gave us a beautiful prophetic picture of our Savior and our Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here today who somehow is living in this uh, place where life is all about them and what they want and when they want it and how they want it. Lord, I pray that you would move upon their hearts today and that they would awaken spiritually that I'm going to die if I don't shift my life to Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray for anyone among us today who does not know you, who is distant from you. Lord, others who may just need to say today, Lord, listen, I'm so far from, uh, I've been saved, but I'm so far from you right now. I just say, Lord, let them take the step towards you and let faith bring them home. 